0: Every individual needs different types of feedback we're not all the same it's not a one-size-fits-all right right? so that requires we develop ourselves to be able to identify and diagnose and understand where people are at in their journey and then exactly what do I need to do for Emmy versus what do I need to do for Scott and what do I need to do for Karen right and who do I get to be for them in order for them to realize and step into their greatest potential and then once I've done that and cultivated the culture that I want within the organization and taught them how to play well with one another and their peer groups. Right. And, and then it's now it's time for me to stretch them right now. I'm going to stretch them outside their comfort zones. I'm going to challenge them. I say, be like Gumby, right. And really push them. And you can do that when you've got that framework underneath you and that strong foundation, then the teams are willing to be uncomfortable, excited, and to step up into challenges and realize, make the the possible or the impossible possible, as they say, right.
1: Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm serial entrepreneur and investor Emmy Kirshner, and I'm known for sprinkling just a little bit of glitter throughout the streets of Philadelphia and on the stages that I speak while I help creative entrepreneurs stop struggling as the overworked admin in their business and become the CEO of their multi six and seven figure businesses. What has fascinated me over the years are the stories of success and failure that courageous entrepreneurs who have put it all on the line face as they change lives, disrupt industries and become incredible leaders themselves. So if you're looking for a community of engaged entrepreneurs and you'd love to get some resources and tools that can help you fast track your business, I invite you to join the Tribe of Leaders Facebook group. The link is in the show notes if you want to connect with us. And of course, the group is free to join. Hey everybody, I am so excited for our guest today who has an incredible journey in leadership and her big lesson came when she had this really cataclysmic leadership failure that showed her that she was being an ass as a boss. So Michelle Reinas, welcome to the show. Share with everybody everything about you. How's that? (laughs) Super fast.
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, great, great to be here. Thanks so much, Emmy, for having me. I'm really excited to be a part of your tribe and uh, and excited to share my bumps and bruises, which there have been many, and yeah. that's where the book was born. Yes, the cataclysmic fall from grace, if you will, for well, sure. Well, and I
1: like I love that you're so upfront about that because for me, at least, the failures are like the thing that are very painful and upsetting and excruciating at the time, but they're the things I end up celebrating later on because that's what's been the really the guidepost and the best learning experiences. So I'm just curious, like, what was your your catacly- cataclysmic, I can't even say that.
0: Oh, <laughs> fall from wait. grace, my bull ride. I call it my grace. bull ride. There we go. <laughs> yeah, it was not a graceful fall at all. Um, yeah, so that um, really was born out of a the Peter Principle, right? When you're promoted to your level of incompetence. So here I was, this fiery salesperson, just really, really passionate about business and connecting with customers and really getting uh, good numbers on the scorecard if you will. And so as what happens to a lot of, you know, top performers, when they are significant producers, they get awarded with the opportunity for a promotion. So it's like, oh, wow, we're just going to take this and we're going to put a title on it and then get, give them people to lead. And then it's just going to be great. We'll have this great multiplier effect. It, the idea of that is fantastic until you put somebody that doesn't have people competencies, which was my case, you know, so I need to Um, Being promoted to a general manager position and at the time I had somewhere between 14 and 18 people. And I say that because it's been over 25 years so my memory doesn't serve me as well as it used to. And um, within a very short period of time, we started making some amazing numbers, I mean, to the point that uh, we looked like we were winning on paper. And that's where it can be kind of a a tricky, a slippery slope that we can get into as leaders because we think we're doing a kick-ass job, but the reality is that there's a lot of um, human capital casualties that are taking place. The process and the way I engaged with my team was really um, destructive for them. And so that can go undetected, right? In my case, what was brought the way I fell from Grace is my team brought it to my attention, thankfully. And they did it in a very abrupt way where I had a I experienced a experience walkout. So oh, wow. I yeah, so they conspired over time. Now these are these were pretty seasoned individuals who'd been with the company for some time. Um, some were unionized, which makes it extra tricky. And they really um, strategizes, you know, how can we walk out all at the same time and basically tell her that she's a, you know, a train wreck and that's putting it nicely. (laughs) And so they did. So I came down to my office one morning and in, again, in my um, delusion state, I was thinking that I was a rock star as a a manager and to walk into a pile of resignations and an individual who had chosen to be kind of the spokesperson for the group, um, let me know what they thought of me and that they were out. And I was dumbfounded and that is how, you know, that's a sign of oblivion, right? When you, when you think you're successful, but the reality is that you're not. And so I'm right. very grateful for that today, but at the time, man, that's a tough one to choke down.
1: I mean, that's just getting like smacked upside the head.
0: Oh, big time. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally like being thrown headfirst without a helmet <laughs> from a bowl. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So what did you do? Well, initially, you know, my knee jerk and arrogant reaction was, How dare they like conspire behind my back and do this whole walkout stuff? I mean, you know, kind of like, Who's the ringleader in my mind? This is what I'm playing out. And then moments later, it started to really sink in that, Oh my gosh, you know, this is significant. I relocated from another state. Um, the company paid and to promote me, paid for all my moving costs, substantial investment, gave me this opportunity. I'm just inside of somewhere in the six-month mark of my new position. I'm potentially going to be fired, homeless, and then not even have enough money to pack my bags and move back home, if, if you will. So uh, reality checked in very quickly, and I thought about how am I going to tell my boss this, the one who advocated for me and, and gave me this opportunity. So I settled in, the team was gone. The, the, those that walked out, walked out. And then I had to make that phone call. And um, I'm not gonna lie, I was scared to death, but I did let him know that I had a massive event and that needed his attention. And then I just experienced a walkout. Thank Thank God I lived in Chicago at the time in downtown. So there's the thing called traffic. And so it gave me a good hour for him to get there. The office was probably only a mile and a half, but it took him about an hour to get there. So that let me kind of settle myself and think about how am I going to have this conversation with him? And so in that one hour time period, I recognized that I was the problem. And that, that, you know, when one person tells you you're an ass, you may or may not be an ass, but when you have a tribe of people telling you you're an ass, you know, you really need to look in the mirror and, and that's exactly what I did. So the, by the time he got, he arrived, I had um, recognized that I needed to share with him that I was the problem. And mm. you know, that was a tough conversation. I think humbling
1: and scary and you're like, all right, so now what? Like- yeah. And to be able to acknowledge that you're the problem is huge. Like that's so much easier to blame everybody else. Yeah. And And
0: which was definitely my, my initial reaction. And thank goodness I had that gift of time, which is really something that um, I treasure and was really grateful for. And I also had a boss at the time. He said, you know, he asked me one of the toughest questions I've ever been asked. And that was, what would you do if you were me? And I was like, oh, (laughs) don't ask me that (laughs) because, uh, you know, I looked at him and, and shook my head and just thought I would fire me. And I, oh my gosh, I was like the last thing I could afford to have happen or nor right. that I want to happen. But the reality was that I deserved to be fired. And what he did was astounding. He said, oh, I'm not going to do that. And he, and then he took responsibility for essentially promoting me to my level of incompetence, although those weren't his words. Um, And then, you know, put me to task on, uh, look, I'm going to give you another shot. You're going to have to clean this up. And I definitely had to pay the price Mm -hmm. and was held accountable. And then when you're dealing with unions, that accountability is quite painful. It's called grievances people who that they won't send you um, replacement workers, because you're the problem. And so I had to, you know, navigate through all of that, which had me mature very quickly, and Mm -hmm. figure out that I need to change the way I managed and learn how to become a leader. And there's a distinct difference in that. Um, Why people want to get up and come to work for you in the morning, instead of people getting up and coming to work for the paycheck.
1: Right, right. Um, I'm curious too, because for me, like the leader is always accountable hundred percent for everything. Okay. So yeah, your
0: mirror, it was my mirror. Those were my results, you know, just like when things are working well, great. You get to take the credit, you get to take the credit as far as internally, but externally you always give it to give the credit to your team, but you can feel good to go. Okay. My results are working because my team's performing. They're happy. You know, I have all the metrics that prove that, that things are going well. Same thing when things aren't going well. I mean, as a coach and consultant today, um, you know, I support all different types of industries all all across the North America, and um, inevitably I'll get phone call after phone call where I'll have leaders or um, C-suite individuals come in and say, "Yeah, we really need you to come in, and you need to fix my people." <laughs> and so it's like, okay, great. Well, I'll bring my mirror with me, and that's what we'll start because right? it's it's yeah, your your team, your results.
1: Yeah, I feel that so strongly. So I'm glad that you agree. Now I'm curious too. Did people? Did everybody actually leave or did most people come back and stay on?
0: Nobody came back and i don't blame them i sucked as a boss i was an ass as a boss and what is that how do i define that so what type of behaviors did i exhibit that that was ass like um micromanage the hell out of people like hovered over them like a drone it was just suffocating which leads to them feeling completely incompetent and incapable and and, and cultivates low trust right and i you know looked for every little thing that wasn't perfect and just nitpick the the crap out of everything. And so that is just so annoying. And I held things close to the vest. You know, I was an insecure and immature leader. And that's not an age thing. It's just a development thing, right? right, right. And, and so I really cultivated a very unhealthy workplace. And I was in the take credit, rah, rah, I want to be on the podium and I want to be the best, you know, kick-ass manager that they've ever had. And it was all about me. And it was just very—it's um, toxic. And so I created the—you know—those. As soon as she walks out of the room, side conversations and really levels of low engagement. You know, the worst part and the most embarrassing part about the whole thing is that I was oblivious to all of it, and actually was in some bubble of thinking that I was doing a great job because I was looking what at what we were doing on paper mm-hmm. and that's where it gets tricky right with leaders because we can be successful and, and create successful results um, but it's not sustainable it's short term right because right? right. eventually they'll break up with you they'll leave you they'll sabotage they'll do something right and so um, we we just have to be looking for those metrics that aren't you know we need to look for the social emotional metri- uh, intelligence metrics as well as the economic performing performance metrics
1: which do you think is more important
0: I always believe the emotional, um, social, emotional intelligence are what takes us as leaders to that greatness level or the level of badass that I'm striving for. Um, Because when we get the people parts right, boy everything else gets easy and and a lot of fun and performance really accelerates if we don't get the people parts right we might have a great product and we might be successful in spite of ourselves but imagine how much money we're leaving on the table imagine the possibilities that we're leaving behind or the potential that we're that's never tapped into
1: right. when
0: we when we don't lead well and when we don't get the people mechanics right
1: right i totally agree because i think when you have the relationship and you're you're building on the skills that your people already have and you're developing the culture and the camaraderie and the core values, like that creates such a rock solid foundation. They're a
0: byproduct. Yeah, they're, they're an outcome so- to great leadership, right? And, yeah. and really building badass teams and being an epic coach and knowing how to give feedback and how to be a groupie for your people and all the things that I talk about in the brand that I'm, you know, maniacally passionate about. And, and that's the thing is, you know, I spent 34 years in corporate America and I went through all different levels. You know, I worked my way up um, the ladder in multiple positions. And when I looked back and thought, I need to board in my career and I need to really think about, you know, if there was a summary of something that I did throughout the, my journey, you know, what was it, what was it that made me successful? And so, and that's where I put together, you know, my 12 leadership lessons are really, these are the things that work for me. And all of these lessons are 100% people focused. Right. I, don't right. <laughs> I don't talk about task. I don't talk about anything, you know, it's like when we take care of the people and we get the right priorities, Then the outcomes that we enjoy are performance outcomes and, you know, from the margin performance to revenue to customer experience and impact to brand um, recognition. All of those are great outcomes based on the fact that we got the people parts right. Right. Right.
1: Absolutely. So I'm curious, were you able to rebuild the team then like starting completely over? I had
0: to start from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's an interesting day one, right? So when I, I, first off, I was afraid of my own shadow. I didn't trust myself because even when we have like become aware, like I didn't become self-aware, I was made aware, right? So that was different. I was fortunate enough to get the gift that I did from that team that they're like, okay, you're an ass. We're out of here because there are a lot of slow bleeds, right? On leadership where you have someone in the position and then slowly you have attrition where people are leaving and turning and breaking up with you and, and you're buying into their story that they had this other opportunity or somebody's being, relocated and you're not really recognizing that you're a problem and it's a slow bleed, those are the scary ones. I was lucky that I had that abruptness because there was no denying the fact that I was the common denominator. Right. So right. when day one happens and the new team shows up and I finally have everybody assembled, because they weren't all hired on the same day, but they were hired within a very aggressive um, period of time. I had the big talk with them where I told them what I did to the last team. And that was a hard conversation to have, but it was an important one. First off, I didn't want them to hear it from somebody else in the rumor mill. They needed to hear it from me. And I also needed to make sure that they were aware that I have awareness, but that doesn't mean I'm fixed. And that it was going to need to be a collective effort to make sure that I stay on track as a leader and that we also establish some ground rules on how we're going to treat one another and what do we want as a team for one another. So we created that time we called uh, a musketeer mindset. And that was where, you know, we decided we want to be all for one, one for all, have each other's backs, not stab each other's backs, don't undermine. And, um, And then the way that we would hold one another accountable. Now I'm using leadership words today. They weren't the words I used back then, but there was, this, in essence, the same thing where we had a huddle and we talked about it and I gave them permission um, to, for feedback. I asked for it frequently because I needed to know what was and wasn't working. And I think that to this day, I, I do that as a consultant and, and as a coach when I work with clients. I think that feedback loop is critically important and we have to constantly be recalibrating ourselves.
1: Yeah. No, I totally, totally agree. That must have been so scary. Were you second guessing yourself?
0: Constantly. Oh, well. yeah, yeah, constantly. And the insecurity didn't go away. It stayed with me and didn't serve me for many years. It would creep up in different ways, like holding information close to the vest, um, competing with peers instead of partnering with peers, you know, not expanding my tribe, right? And which was which to me was a big missed opportunity. I should have been doing that all along. And even not cultivating... talent underneath me because I was in fear that they'd take my job. So there's that, you know, all of those unhealthy behaviors. And again, it just comes from, you know, over the years, looking back and understanding what didn't serve me, what did serve me, what have I learned, what would I do differently? And that's what the book is really about, about what are the lessons That I've learned that I can hopefully prevent somebody from having a bull ride and then help them get the mechanics and the people parts right, help them prioritize and really have an amazingly powerfully successful experience and a lot of fun as a leader because leadership really should be easy and fun. And the better we are with people, yeah, it really should. Yeah, and and it should really help you accelerate your growth and the growth of others. Um, it's I love to lead, and I love to to develop leaders and and help them develop what I call badass teams.
1: Yeah, I think it's so much fun for me, at least, is like it's the curiosity of like I see this gap in somebody who I know is like, has so much potential. So how do I help them bridge it in a way that's pushing them a little bit, but they can still, like they don't feel like they're overwhelmed yeah. um, or that it's impossible and get yeah. them to kind of get to that next place.
0: Yeah, and that, you know, and, and to do that as a, as a coach-client relationship is one thing, but as a leader, it requires a good foundation, right? You ha- they have to trust you, trust that you're really looking out for their best interests, that it's not self-motivated, and then they have to know that you're prioritizing people over performance, You have to know how to coach them. Every individual needs different types of feedback. We're not all the same. It's not a one size fits all, right? So that requires we develop ourselves to be able to identify and diagnose and understand where people are at in their journey. And then exactly what do I need to do for Emmy versus what do I need to do for Scott? And what do I need to do for Karen, right? And who do I get to be for them in order for them to realize and step into their greatest potential? And then once I've done that and cultivated the culture that I want within the organization, and taught them how to play well with one another and their peer groups, right? And, and then it's now it's time for me to stretch them, right? Now I'm going to stretch them outside their comfort zones. I'm going to challenge them. I say, be like Gumby, right? And really push them. And you can do that when you've got that framework underneath you and that strong foundation. Then the teams are willing to, to be uncomfortable, excited, and to step up into challenges and realize, make the, the possible or the impossible possible, as they say, right? Right. Right. That's amazing. I love it. Let's talk about
1: the book a little bit. Like what was the, I mean, I, and I know why you wrote it, but did you just wake up one day and be like, I'm going to write a book or like, what was, what's the backstory?
0: (laughs) No, I actually had, you know, my dream was I really wanted to write a book. And, and so I'll tell you how the book was kind of a secondary thing. Um, Stepping out of corporate America is kind of where it began. So for me, back in um, when I was coming close to my mid-40s, I started to think about my mortality. And the reason for that is because um, my mom, when I was 27, my um, mom sudden, had a sudden heart attack, 49 years old, you know, five foot eight, 125 pounds, gorgeous, very um, active, vivacious. You, mean, you would never think in a million years that she was a ticking time bomb when it came to cardiovascular health. Right, right. And so that, um, as I started to approach that, get closer to that age, I started thinking about what if, you know, what if I only have four years? And um, what if I don't make it to retirement? Because a lot of people, they plan their life around, well, when I retire, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And so I really started having that um, tough dialogue with myself then and thought, you know, I need to choose to do what I would do as if I was going to retire in four years and I need to do it now. So I saved up some money and decided to that, you know, what if, what, what is it that I want to do? What am I great at? What am I really passionate about? That doesn't feel like work. And I said, well, leadership development and working with teams, I just love it. So I landed on um, that idea that I really wanted to focus on being a leadership coach and really help leaders build amazing teams. Mm-hmm. And so I left corporate America in January of, tw- or sorry, December of 2011, launched my. Um, DBA in January, 2012, and then never looked back. And it was interesting because there are two lessons here. There's an entrepreneurial story that goes with it. And then there's the, the leadership in the book story. So the entrepreneurial story is, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs that I meet with and that I work with, they will say, you know, how, you know, how do you walk out of corporate America? Because I was at the top of my game as far as what I had accomplished in my career. You know, I was in, uh, I was a VP, I was making a great income, you know, uh, special parking spot, you know, gas cards. I mean, it was just like, I was at the top of my game and I walked away and decided to start my own company. And so I have this belief in, in my, the way my brain works As I said, you know, I'm my own parachute, you know, so let's, I'm going to go out and start my own company. Everybody's like, well, you know, like, X percentage of companies fail within the first, you know, five years. So it's all the horror stories. Right. Right. And I said, yeah, but you know what? I don't, I don't fail. I just learn. Right. So I'm going to, no matter what, I'm going to come away with all of these new skill sets of that. I can then add to my arsenal of 34 plus years as a corporate executive or in the corporate world, sorry. And then I'll just have that much more that I can bring back into the game of the corporate world. So I'm going to win no matter what. And so uh, the difference is I'm going to take a chance and I'm going to see what my potential is. So I stepped out of corporate America, started my own company, and then been, was doing that for a number of years, traveling all over, working with leaders and teams. Yeah. And then the book was born out of the classroom. So I'm in front of teams and working with organizations and the feedback I kept getting like, at dinner or during the breaks or over lunch from the teams. And I was at that time developing what I would call the, the white collar corporate brand, right? I mean, I was delivering the white collar corporate brand and people were saying, you know, this is good, but it just doesn't feel like me you know, I know I need to improve my leadership skills, but I just like, I struggle, you know, I really struggle to stay awake and to stay engaged with the content. Right. And they weren't talking about my content per se. I was delivering, this was a third party contract I had for a very, very large global company. And I was delivering their content, which was good. And I, but the feedback was that it just wasn't resonating deep enough with them to really inspire them and get them excited about leadership. So after you hear this a few times, kind of like that you're an ass thing, I recognize that there's this massive gap in leadership that really is, it seems like all of the leadership books and trainings that I have come across most frequently in my deliveries have been really tailored to the c suiteers or the white collar corporate world, right? Everything's politically correct. Everything is just perfect. And I thought, I think there's an opportunity to tap into the the masses, which is Main Street, you know? And so that's where the Badass Leader Brand was born. And the book was, what what story can I share to help that leader on their journey? Because that was my journey, you know, bumps and bruises and boot and mouth moments and, you know, failing with teams and failing with peers and really struggling. Yes, I did ultimately realize a lot of great success in my career. Career. But boy, the path I, I took to get there was not an easily traveled road. And so I wanted to be able to share that in the context that would be palatable for Main Street and fun and edgy right. and quirky and unconventional. You know, I love yeah. all of that.
1: Yeah. What is the title of your book? Because we keep From, talking about the book. Oh, I know. Like everybody's <laughs> like, will you
0: tell me already? So the title of the book is From Bad to Badass Leader. And it's a fun brand. It's called 12 Leadership Lessons. Uh, formatted in storytelling and each lesson has fun and quirky titles Um, but they're they're stacked in order of you know what were the lessons that I learned if I reflected back and said what was my roadmap for success there you have it it's these 12 lessons yeah and they and by the way the 12 lessons work whether you're an entrepreneur whether you're in corporate America or whether you're just in a relationship or in a family it, you know, that it's it's all the same. It's all transferable. I,
1: yeah, I always say like my best le- leadership lessons came from my kids, like being a single mom. And I had to very quickly um, create a culture between the three of us that we were going to work together when they were like, I don't know if it was 11 and nine or 10 and 12 or whatever, but, yes. and get them on board with that so that we could move really fluidly because I was literally like left doing everything. And they wanted to, you know, go to baseball practice and I was trying to work and start my business and everything else. And it's been an incredible journey, but we have an amazing relationship because of the way I parented and led them. And I use the same principles for build,
0: building my team now and with my clients. So it's yeah, it's I important. think it's absolutely transferable. So yeah. it can be as you know, from bad to badass parent, from bad to badass lover,
1: yeah. from bad to badass
0: <laughs> friend. I mean it all, you know, the, the lessons apply. Works. And We've got the
1: link in the show note for the book uh, and a couple right. of other things too, because you have some really cool, super fun resources that I think are just great reminders. Uh, you know, that that this is the journey and that you can, you know, just utilize anytime. So, you want to share some of what that is too?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yes, we have a special page it's badassleader.com forward slash tribe of leaders right. and so that way they can find that right. and then on there there are um, you know my favorite mantras my favorite books those are all kind of like the obvious ones but the fun ones that are most popular that people are really latching on to are the 12 leadership lessons so there's a one page that you can print down uh, print out that's a PDF that'll show you all 12 lessons so you can keep those front and center and then there are screen savers which have been really popular where you can kind of choose the lesson you want to focus on like maybe you need to focus on your epic coaching skills and so they're in and the brand, the first thing that people notice about the brand and that attracts them is that it's very um, shock and awe as far as unconventionality. It, it looks like right. a Harley Davidson t-shirt, the, the cover of the book. It yeah. has that kind of edgy wings and skull and badass leader. So it has this edginess to it, but... On the inside, it's very playful or like over 170 uh, illustrations. There are treasure hunts in the book where you actually work through. And so you apply the lesson to your own story and then you start to put the mechanics in place. Um, the, the, The coolest thing that I've learned from my readers is I'm getting messages and notes that they're doing Badass Leader book clubs. And so the whole team, they get the Whoa. book for, and they're so fun. And then they theme them because the book has a lot of my personality for those that read. It's quirky, it's humorous, it's dry, it's sugar-free. And so, and I do a lot of like quirky themes as I go through to, to bring out my playful personality. And so they're coming in with pirate py- dressed as pirates and they're coming in with capes and wings and all kinds of stuff to make the ba- the baddest leader book clubs fun and then they go through the treasure hunt so they spray there are 12 lessons so they do it over 12 weeks and then they come in they theme each week and then they share their treasure hunts and lessons learned and then they put a little plan together on what they're going to do and then they read the next lesson and um that's been i, I didn't even think of that so i was really tickled when um this that. organically happened right
1: well and well, first of all, let me just say again, like the link for the book and all of these super cool resources, including the screensavers, which I love because it's like that constant repetition that we all need to like change our neural pathways. But the link's in the show notes. So yes. Get the book, get the the super cool resources and screensavers because that's going to be I think really helpful. And then what I love too is that your brand is so unconventional. Yes. And you are a real straight shooter and just going to like all the fun things that your book club is doing. I throw glitter on stages and <laughs> video. In a number of my talks, I have people get up and we play beach ball volleyball. There you um, go. <laughs> it takes a little time to kind of get everybody together, but it's those unusual things. I think that combined with my my clients know like I'm going to tell you like it is. Yeah, that I think is so powerful. So what was it about? You know your logo with the kind of Harley wings and the, and the skull and everything with the badass leadership that like, you could have done anything else. So why that?
0: Yeah. And that's a great one. And I tried to do uh, something else because I got feedback from p- people in corporate America that like, oh no, you need to do like, right. You know how to be an extraordinary leader and how to do, you know, how to be an exceptional leader or emotionally right. intelligent leader. And so I actually had purchased a weekend getaway for an, a book writers club because I am not an author and I happen to be a published author today, but I didn't have an idea on how to write a book. So I booked myself away um, for a weekend c- kind of cram jam, learn how to write a book 101. That's really and I, oh yeah, it was great. And so I, I went there and I went in with this whole idea of, I was going to write this like extraordinary leader book. And I just stared at the screen and I thought, I'm not a writer. I can't write. This is just, this is ridiculous. I don't know what I was thinking. And everybody else was making great progress all weekend. And I was like, I think I slept two hours and I was so stressed out and really feeling, it was awful. It was, it was a horrible experience. And then Sunday I was on my way back. Right. So I'd spent all this money, booked a hotel, was in this complete sequestered state. And then I called one of my girlfriends who happens to today, she's a client, but at the time she was just a girlfriend and i had called her and said, oh my God, I just went and wasted all this money on this thing. And I'm just, I'm not a writer. I said, you know, and I was just venting to her and she was like, oh my God, you know, you do such an amazing job. You know, your, your clients love you. What the heck? And I go, well, you know what my problem is? I said, the reality is I just want a book that I just want to write the book. That's um, from bad to badass. And she goes, I would buy that book. And I, and, uh, and I said, that's the book I want to write. And she said, write that book. She said, I would buy that book all day long. There's right. nothing like that. Yeah. And so I went home and then I just, I, I told my husband, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to write my book. And if it's a, an epic failure, so be it. But if I'm going to write a book, it has to be hundred percent me because the, my book is exactly how I lead and exactly what led me to success with teams and i worked in very white collar strict conservative corporate america but i was still a badass leader within that culture and i created a subculture within the culture and my team was a badass team and and i really loved uh, and am so passionate about leadership so as soon as i unclogged the drain if you will that book came out of me and i, I had so much fun writing it and i laughed out loud while writing it i was 100% myself and and, uh, and, it was an absolute joy to share these lessons and share these stories and uh, all of my boot and mouth moments. And, and, you know, and I believe that, you know, vulnerability is the most powerful strength a leader has. And I have, you know, I had people afterwards saying, I can't believe you shared all that stuff. And I thought, of course I shared that stuff. I mean, I have to pay it forward. You know, these are lessons I learned. Why do I want somebody else to go down that same path? Exactly. Yeah. So then, you know, so that's when I said, now the motorcycle piece and the, the logo is actually a rather intimate story. And that was the inspiration behind the logo. And that was uh, motorcycles. I love motorcycles and I'm I'm passionate about motorcycles. Uh, Lesson 12, I don't want to give it away because I want to make sure that they read it in order, but in lesson 12, it kind of tells the story, the heartbreak story that um, was the inspiration behind the actual logo. And so I'll leave that to those that are interested in, in reading it. Cause I don't yeah, want to, I don't want to be a, what do they call that? A spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was the inspiration behind the brand, but th- I'm definitely, I wouldn't call myself a, a roughneck biker chick. I'm an adventure writer, but I'm very passionate about motorcycles. And there's a, it's a gift from um, someone that meant a lot to me in lesson 12, that they'll be able to unwrap and understand it, but don't let the cover fool you. Um, It's a it's a great female empowered book. It's good for men and good for women, but fantastic for teams. And it's it's a fun brand. And we have, you know, from um, online an online learning academy so they can start um, taking online classes or get their teams to we have fun swag. So if you like to represent yourself as a badass leader, your team, it's a lot of fun. It's a playful brand. And uh, I believe leadership is fun. And it should be playful. And we're always better together. And if we're having fun while we're doing it, we're gonna get a lot better results.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I love, like I just so aligned with everything that you're saying. And I love that you're unconventional, particularly in corporate settings. Like I think like that's where innovation starts to come in and you start to really think differently is because you're shaking up what they've been doing for X amount of years
0: yeah and we can tap into creativity and give people permission to you know be themselves and you know and i think that as a society we're trying to get there um but but it's been really exciting for me because again because of the unconventionality of the brand i didn't know if it was going to be successful or a big flop but what's been exciting or i have some really big brands that have reached out to me that are so excited and say this is what our people want and will you come in and do a badass i was asked to do a badass leader boot camp And so now I have that as one of my offerings where I come in and I do, I teach the 12 lessons and then I, I have a a bigger tool chest in my corporate, my white, call it my white collar brand, which is MDR coaching and consulting. And so I play into that toolbox as well. So we have a lot of versatility. I can hybrid it, tone it down, tone it up. De- depending on the needs of the customer. So I love the versatility and that I just have a bigger toolbox to play in. Yeah. And it's not a one hit, right? It's not a one, one and done or one hit. We've got a lot of resources, but the coolest experience I had at that Badass Leader boot camp was afterward, after the very first break, right. That we had, cause it was a full day boot camp that we did. Um, I had a line of people that came up to the front of the room that were like, Oh my God, when I was signed up f- for yet another leadership training, I thought, Oh, here we go. And then when I came down the hall and I saw your banners, they're like, what the heck? And then they came in and they saw the book and the workbooks and the face masks and all the stuff with the, with the wings. And I had hot pink wings up uh, on the stage and, you know, and they were like, what is this? And then they they just really related to the stories. They were telling me their stories and so grateful for the brand and feeling like it was for them. And that's when I was like, I'm onto something here. And that this is exactly what I'd yeah. hoped for, but I didn't know if it would take hold. And so there's nothing better than that type of feedback from from your um, audience, right? So no, that's the, amazing. That's so, so yeah. Awesome. That's so awesome. it's fun. And it's yeah. so fun to deliver.
1: <laughs> I am so sad because we
0: have to wrap up. Perfect. We We can, we can. Uh, Share with everybody the best way to connect with you. Um, Badassleader.com. That's the easy one. So badassleader.com. And they can, um, you know, if you want to message me uh, directly, just put michelle at badassleader.com. We have tons of resources on the website. They're going to get the gift um, link in your show notes, which would be great. I really encourage them to go there. And then, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. We have over 10,000 followers already for such a young brand on Facebook. So that's been super fun. And so, yeah, so please connect and and, uh, come and explore and learn a little bit more and shoot your questions to me. I love to to connect with um, listeners. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, well, thank
1: you again. And for everybody that's listening, we will see you next week. Sounds great. Thanks
0: so much. You're welcome.
1: Thank you so much for being a listener of the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am so grateful for each and every episode that you tune in and listen to. And I hope that you get a ton of value that you can implement starting today. And I do have just a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind hopping on to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review, it would help us tremendously so that the Tribe of Leaders podcast can be found more easily and help inspire other entrepreneurial leaders.